spirituality without the fluff. Hello and welcome to another podcast with myself, Stevie Heman, and we have an old face back, my best bud, little bud the Buddha, otherwise known as Robert, just because he doesn't like Bob the Buddha, hello Robert. It's still, no matter how much I don't like it, it somehow manages to linger around. Still right? Buddha. <laughs> Which is fine, I'm cool with it. It's cool. It. How's it going, buddy? Haven't seen you in a long time. Good, man, I'm good. Been busy, 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 but you know, just kind of rolling with it. Seen yeah. uh, life has been going nonstop. It's never going to stop until we're gone, obviously. Oh, bloody hell. So morbid. I'm just saying. Jesus, uh, get, get get some sense of humor, not a sense of morbidity. Well, I suppose this is the time of morbidity when we think yeah. about the ancestors, right? Yeah, I guess that's one way to look at it, yeah. I mean, so what we're going to talk about today, because we haven't done a podcast in a while, and I'm always waiting on you, and I really should be doing it myself, but I'm always waiting on your bald head to come in and do one with me. Well, I mean, we always have fun when we do them, so I totally get it. All right. Reach out about it, too, because it's been so long, man. And uh, we always have fun chats. So I don't know. Have you been watching anything interesting? I was recently watched. I always like my uh, my paranormal videos and new things that are showing up in the world and all that fun jazz. You yeah, know? well, I, I, I'm watching a lot. Not watching too much, but I'm doing a lot of uh, study on the Arantia Project. On uh, which one? The Urantia Project. Urantia Project. Urantia Project is a very old book, and it's basically the entire hierarchical and stereotypical variation of our entire universe and how we all play and interplay together. It's a very interesting book. Now, the one I version I was given a lend off by one of the patrons in the store. Um, it's got like 3,000 pages. The book feels like it's like 900 years old. It's got that really old, cool parchment in it. But um, this is uh, from 1935, this book. And it's okay. fascinating. So 1935? Mm-hmm. Okay, so slightly before the war at that time then. Yeah, but Where's so, it it's, it's, uh, <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> oh, hmm. Nobody knows. Like the, the we, I know there's a, a foundation, the Urantia Foundation, but when you go right. to look it up, you sort of go down rabbit holes, and then it keeps you away from it. So I don't know what. It, it's basically a book that I don't think I should have. Ah, uh, one of those books. But I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned so much crap about the hierarchy of the universe. It's crazy, and how how Urantia is the actual name for Earth. So it's the Earth Project, and it shows how all the different layers of celestial beings and entities, how we all come together and how, what order we actually or answer to them in. So I'll give you an, a quick example, um, because we're in that time of the, uh, what you would call it, the closed veil in between our realm and the spirit realm, especially coming up to Halloween or Samhain, as we call it in Ireland. Um, yeah, I know the, the veil. The, the connection in between it, right? Each of the layers of the connection, we think that we're connecting straight to source, but we're not. And with this book, it's showing us that we connect to kind of like a middleman in between layers. So we have to connect to the middleman to get permission to go higher. And we can only do that incrementally. Otherwise, we never get straight to source. Hmm. Fascinating. Interesting. 
yeah i mean that kind of reminds me of stuff that i had to do like when we used to do uh like energy work back when i was a kid we had to go through protocols right and yeah specific individuals that we had to contact and get permission to access different uh councils and right right it's wild but that but this shows you the actual names and the lists and the variances and all the different externals internals and external universes that we have to connect to to get to the source the the central sun the the creator of all yeah it's fascinating bro you got your you got your hands in this book for five minutes you will your mind will be blown because my mind, my mind's not usually blown. You know that. But I lifted this book and I, first of all, I don't, you know, you know, when you lift an old book, you get that smell of an old book. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> something you don't get with the digital age, man. There's no. no. Owning so, an book. Yeah. Has- so this hardback book, um, I lift it and you can just smell the age of it. And then the first three pages, you're just, your jaw drops. Within the first three pages, you're already hooked. Now, I'm about 15, maybe, well, yeah, just halfway through. I think I'm page 1,540-something. And I'm engrossed in it. But the amount of notes I've taken in that first half of that book is absolutely astronomical. I filled about 15 different notepads of different information for cross-referencing. And um, one of the most important thing was uh, because the reason I was sort of drawn to it was the fact of the the pyramid project that's within it. So it mm. actually gives you the dimensional frequencies and angles of all the major pyramids, including the one in Antarctica, on the Earth. Dude, Antarctica right now is blowing my mind. Oh, it, it's like it's it's a clusterfuck of information down there. Wild, absolutely, like whole civilizations that are just kind of coming out. Right Literally. Now. The actual, yeah, like just the melting or like the chambers that they're finding. I don't know what this uh, ice wall business is. Have you heard about this ice wall? I'm sorry to kind of delineate here, but. No, no, (laughs) this is what we do. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing, well, the ice wall is basically the theory that there's a whole um, other, I would say, world outside that that's the barrier of our world. But then when you talk about the ice world, you're going into a very sticky situation about flat earth syndrome. Yes. Yes. Right. That's, that kind of ties into it for sure. Yeah. So, but basically what that is, it's a wall of ice that is about, uh, well, it's literally encompasses the entire earth and yeah. it's uh, about three kilometers deep and uh, two kilometers in thickness. So when you pass over that, that's apparently another uh, another world. It's actually called the world of Osiris, which links with the Egyptian gods for the want of a record. And it has its own rotational sun and its own rotational moon. So it has the Ra sun and it has uh, the Khonshu moon. Interesting. So it's it's a fascinating variance. Like in a lot of the stuff that's going on, but look at, go onto YouTube. Any person go onto YouTube and just go, right, yeah. the Antarctic wall. You can go down a rabbit hole there for years and never get any truth until you happen to stumble upon the CIA released files mm. and you'll actually find variances off that based on what they called, which was called the Stargate project. So the Stargate project isn't about what we would classify through the TV show Stargates, which is an open portal, which Ra left one and then the other one was uh, drowned in Atlantis. That's a different step. Stargate project was about remote viewing on the earth. 
but the CIA mm-hmm. used it as a military. So it's like a remote feeling. So think Sidecore here. Well, Stargate projects that the CIA did, right? Extrasensory perception projects. Yeah. By around World War II, I believe it was. Yeah, it was the early um, early 1940s, right up into the mid-1970s before it went to Black Book. But Stargate, well, that's what they actually done is they changed over the ownership of the Stargate program from um, the military into the CIA. Okay. And then the CIA changed it from that back to the military. Now the military has it again. So it's like, well, that's passed to you. That's passed to me. So there's, there's always, uh, um, how would you say, plausible deniability within the whole thing. But the Stargate variances is when they used ESP and a variation of remote viewing to find different things on the planet. And three out of the major five contestants, because they had five major people who'd done this all the time, who were very accurate, right down to, you know, signs on sto- on, on um, poles outside gas stations and everything. These guys were phenomenally accurate. Well, three out of the five picked up a complete civilization beyond the Antarctic uh, wall hmm. and they described it in detail and they described everything that was coming out of it in detail. So think of the mutative cryptoids and the cryptozoology and all that stuff. Well, that came from them files and now we're literally living that reality. Yeah. I was watching something on the, uh, the skinwalkers and it had to do with their, it was coming from a, a native perspective and they were saying that the, the skinwalkers are essentially half human, half within the etheric realm. So they did some sort of ritualistic process of almost like a, a sacrifice in order to, to become a skinwalker. Well, well. Being, being married to a native wife, yes. the story is not that accurate. <laughs> that you just okay. Yeah, so these guys are like full-blown hunters. Like they had... Uh, mm-hmm. samurai swords with poison on the ends because they would go essentially they took these people that were interviewing them into these tunnels in america like in the reserves and they ended up deep within the earth and honestly that mo- the movie that i think of is descent you see yep. Descent. yep so they basically brought them into these these tunnels and you see all these vast tunnels that are within america mm-hmm. that branch out into all these places and they're showing there was like almost burning chambers where they would bring the sacrifices and burn that whole chamber with people. It was, it was dark, dude. It's dark, but you see like handprints on the walls. There's like, like loads of weird shit, right? Stuff, man. Yeah. And that that's one thing that um, I noticed when Courtney was telling me about it mm. was the fact that the the legends work it from a different name hmm. however it, right. it's the traits are or basically they it was like a, a ritual sacrifice of a group for survival and they turned themselves into this mutative variance what we yes. call skinwalker right now now the other variation that we're you that we're sort of more aiming on which is the cryptozoic version is the fact that these guys came out of caves. They are Garth and caves and they're mutated humans and mutated, we're going, can we use the term non-Terrans? I think say subterranean. Yeah, subterranean non-Terrans. Yeah. So they're all mutation variances. Now, here's a funny sidekick. <laughs> we're down a rabbit hole again. One of the first, or the last time that 
the human race was involved in extreme genetic experimentation, there was a flood. Hmm. Um, the time before that, there was another flood. So if you look at the time of Noah, let's go for biblical sense. There is archaeological evidence to say that that flood did occur. Yeah, they even found the boat. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then the other side of it, there was one before that, hmm. which was at the time of the Atlanteans. And that's why Atlantis sank, because Atlanteans were warned by a higher power. We're going to use the term ancient astronaut just for the words for now. And they warned them not to tamper with the DNA geodes or genomes. They actually tampered with them. And the result of that was them being sunk and all of their creation sunk as well. Now, here's a funny thing. If you look at ancient folklore, and mythology mm. and folklore, which predates Sumerian times, for the record, it goes way back to the time of Atlantis and, and the island of Mao and uh, Lemuria. That's the first instance that we had of terms like minotaur and centaur and mermaid. Genetic, so, genetic splicing done by the Atlanteans. And yeah. they were all wiped out because of it. So the rule is, if once you get to a point in civilization, from what I can gather through ancient texts and then up to modern day, once we get to a point where we are manipulating God's true particle, i.e. manipulating God's true variation of us as human beings, and we are genetically splicing altered species into that, we get reset. That's interesting because from what I understand, this has already been going on. Like this isn't something new. Like China has been doing this for a while now. Well, you look, you look at human hearts and you look at stomachs and you look at intestines. It's all pig. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're so close to like the anatomy and biology of, of, of pigs essentially. Yeah. But the other side of it is like, well, look at the religious ideologies of some of the, the religious practice in the world where pigs are classified as swine as devil's work. Does that not make sense? Hmm. If that is classified as devil sense and we're using what's literally the form of the devil as a splicing, that will cause a reset, right? Potentially. Or would it be, don't they say it's more so the goat? The goat is the symbol of the devil? No, the goat is a symbol of Baphomet. When Baphomet is a variation of a fallen angel. So, well, it depends who you classify as a fallen angel these days, because apparently some angels that we thought had fallen haven't fallen, ones that we thought that didn't did. Hmm. Well, I know Lucifer is one that is rising. I'm curious Lucifer is is rising. But see, there's a story going around right now that Lucifer was actually Jesus. Oh, boy. No, but that's serious. Because if you look, if, uh, right, let, let's pack, unpack this one. Yeah. This, this one I find fascinating, right? Absolutely, so yeah. if, if you look um, how Lucifer produces himself, God's favorite son fell, yeah. fell to earth, right? Okay. Morning star. The light of the morning dawn, the uh, the light of the rising dawn. That's what he classified and that's what he was called. Lucifer, morning star, Lucifer, light bearer. So when Jesus disappeared from the Bible after he was born and miraculously just disappeared for like 30 years of his life, where we know that there's certain archaeological evidence where he went to specific places for healing modalities. Um, He definitely done yogic pranic stuff in uh, India definitely done uh, what we would classify as Reiki because that's why he's an ascended master within that ideology and then went back to uh, Jerusalem as um, a rabbi he introduced himself to the rabbi as being the morning star 
Mm. He did not say my name is, and it wasn't Jesus for the record, it was Lazus. Jay didn't exist in them times, it was Lazus. So when he came back and said, I am Lazus, the morning star, he literally represented the same ideology as Lucifer. So now I'm going to put something that's going to sound really weird. This is way down a rabbit hole and I'm throwing this way out there, right? Yeah. Because this the like this conversation is we agreed we're just going to go where it goes, and this is our thought process. So is not the greatest sin and the first two greatest sins, right? Um, according to biblical uh, text, thou should have no other God before me, mm-hmm. and thou should have no graven images, right? Hence why uh, Moses destroyed the bull when he came down for, after getting the commandments, because they were worshipping a pagan variance, right? So, if Jesus actually is Lucifer, mm-hmm. or Lucifer is, or is Jesus, and you have a statue of you Jesus, worship. are you not worshipping a false god? Honestly, that's funny you say that because I was just watching something um, from Israel and uh, in Judaism that they believe just that. They they believe that Christians are worshiping a false idol yeah, and that they're not worshiping the, the true God. And because of that, they believe that people deserve to be eradicated for it. Right. But so, so right. And take that conflict, that, you know, excessive conflict out of the equation, but it makes sense. You're breaking yeah. the first two rules. I should have no other God before me. Well, if you're venerating Jesus, and I'm not saying that Jesus didn't exist for the record. I am. I think he did. But what yeah. I am saying is the fact that if you're venerating Jesus, you're going mm-hmm. against God because God said, I shall have no other God before me. So therefore, True. you're not praying to God. You're praying to the Son of God. Now, yes. if all angels and men are the Son of God, therefore, Lucifer is also a Son of God by definition. Technically, yeah. Son. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. Technically, that's exactly it, because Jesus would not be God. No. God that created Jesus, and and you worshiping. G- oh, jeez, bro, that's that's it's a rabbit hole, right? And I'm not trying to offend anybody. I want to make that wrong. I'm just looking at the factual evidence, because if if you look at it from that variation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what we classify as the Trinity now: God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, that didn't that wasn't in the Bible. Mm. That wasn't in the Bible. That that happened at the Council of Nicaea in three eighty five AD. So that was actually the Trinity was actually brought into there to show the connection. Well, it was meant to show the connection from man's ability to get to God. Hence, why after that Trinity was installed, we then had what we classify as the White Pope. Hmm. And that's another story. Yeah, the White Pope, the Black Pope, and the Gray Pope. Yes. <laughs> See, not many people know there's three popes in operation. Here's a random fight effect. One of the found out recently that it's an underlying rule that if, say, you're you're China, mm-hmm. right, and I'm I'm going yeah. to say I'm Irish. You're Chinese. I'm Irish, right. So if you're Chinese and I'm Irish, and I turn around and I want to declare war on you, I have to get permission from the Grey Pope in order to do that. So the Arsini family, that's just name and shame. What's that? That's name and shame. The Orsini family tells you tells which com- or countries can go to war with each other. Yeah. That's right. a lot of power in a human man. And then the obvious thing is, right, well, we know who the great pope, he's the actual guy who pulls all the strings. The white pope we call the puppet, and the black pope is the shadow of the puppet. So he'll go, he's like the devil's advocate, per se. Yeah. But that's the trinity that they're talking about. 
the father, the one who has the the absolute um, power, God the Son, which would be the white pope because it shows the light of it, and the Spirit is the the conscience of the black pope hitting the white pope's consciousness level. Hmm. It's fascinating when you look into it. Like it's actually mentioned in the Orangia as well. That's why I was like, oh, it mentions the three popes, symbols, and things of that nature in the Orangia. Yeah. Yeah, I bet they do. Well, you see, that's that's the whole variation of the papal cross. Okay. Uh, one key is the white pope. The other key is the black pope. And then where it intersects is the true power of the cross. So the papal, papal cross and that is what we would classify as being the great pope. Because hmm. it's a gray area. It's in between black and white. Yeah. But black and white can't exist without yeah. the intersection. Because that's, how would you say, it's like the consciousness. Like, that's this... one thing. Yeah. When I was growing up, when I when I was working with like white magic, black magic, that was an energy that I found helped me process a lot of things, was that gray energy, that energy that is in between the white and the black. That Yeah, polite... because white, white has a, a pre-observable connotation. It's light, it's, it's high vibration. Black is a pre-observable connotation. It's lower and it's dark. Gray has none. Because it's got hints of white and hints of black. So the best way to look at gray when you're looking at a variance of spiritual leadership is they are literally the yin and yang balance between the both. They're not 100% pure. They're not 100% evil. They are the light inside the dark and the dark inside the light. I think that's for a lot of us, right? We're not completely good. I don't think any of us can be completely good. You can't be completely good. It's uh, impossible. Yeah, absolutely. Like There's this. no person on the planet uh, perfect imperfectly perfect in an imperfectly perfect world yeah because you have to have that right if you think you're all light all love all divine like half the spiritual community of the planet where they're just sitting there with their rose-colored glasses and they think everything's beautiful and everything's fine there's a time for being grateful and compassionate when it comes to god or the universe or the cosmos's creation okay there's a time for that However, if you were completely good all the time, then you have no fear factor of something bad happened to you. Well, that's mm. a false positive to me. Mm. Because if you take away all darkness in it, well, that's our primal instincts. That's our ability to defend yourself, to run from danger. That's our fight, flight, freeze, and fawn syndrome right there. If you take that out of a person, they're not a person, they're a robot. So then instead of being a spiritually enlightened being, you're a spiritual sheeple. Because you've taken away the very essence of what it is to be human. And I think that's a big issue when it comes to the spiritual community globally. Hmm. We've dehumanized the existence. We, we put more reference onto the spiritual body than understanding that the only reason that we can comprehend the spiritual body is because we're sitting on the third dimensional realm. Hmm. The density understands the like the etheric side of it. Like we're we're not fully one, we're not fully the other. We're a mixture of both, right? We're well, you, in my opinion, we're an energy being in a human existence. Yeah. Absolutely. But people are taking that human existence out of the equation. And that's a very dangerous game. Because once you take the vessel of communicational energy out of the equation, well then you're not here period you, you shouldn't you shouldn't be making people lose their ability to 
clear their karmic debt by putting them so far up in the spiritual cloud that they cannot come down and deal with their everyday reason why they're here. Yeah. Or their their desire to survive or recreate or produce new things. I, I find if you're in that complete love, you, you don't have desire. You don't want anything. You don't want to, you know, bring something forward. It's just love, light, things of that nature. And there's... But there's how, right. So if you've lived in light your whole life, how do you know you're living in light? <laughs> right because to not understand life you have to live through darkness because yeah. only through living in darkness and turmoil and trauma and pain and suffering do we understand the benefit and the beauty of the light and it's the mm -hmm. same the other way around you know when we when we take it and we flip the script and go on okay you get the light after doing suffering so you've suffered it's a, it's a full circle. You're literally going around a moon phase, essentially. You're going from fullness to emptiness to fullness, and it's a continual pattern. But that's the, that's the thing that I, I think that people have got so far dissidented from that they're so worried about the outcome and how they're perceived within the spiritual community, then actually doing the damn work and saying, oh, everything's love. No, it's not. If it's everything's love, then you wouldn't be here. Yeah, that's, just, that's a personal opinion. Well, yeah, because our experiences are, are what help create who we are and kind of helps us see the, the different sides to life. Like, I don't know. I feel like if, if somebody expects themselves to be perfect or to be all lighter, you know, they there's a fear of doing what's wrong, right? And we have to kind of dictate or figure out what wrong is and what right is. Absolutely. That's also. <laughs> you don't always know what is the right choice and what's the wrong choice yeah but the, do you not would you not uh take that as being how would i put this a variation of expectational results so if you're trying to, and you're aware of what's right based on your ideologies based on your upbringing based on you know social okay. narratives and uh, you know even national narratives you, you'll know what's right you know what's wrong right from a perspective there's an intrinsic aspect within us that sometimes have that sense of what is right and what is wrong. We sometimes feel that. Yeah, well, that's what I would classify as our God, our, our God fueled consciousness. Mm. So, if you know, if you look at what's right in your ideology and what's right in mine, they're going to be completely interpretive. Yeah, and the the current global consciousness and the global variance of what is right and wrong is always going to be based on the geographical ideologies of that situation and we can't say judge one particular area of the earth because they're operating within an ideology that we can never understand and i am i'll bring an example and a very quick analogy if you're sitting there and you're doing a Buddhist technique and you haven't been a Buddhist, lived and learned it from birth to that moment when you're doing that technique, I don't believe you have the right to judge people on that Buddhist technique. Hmm. And what I mean for that is you don't understand the, the entire philosophy. You don't understand the lifestyle. You don't understand the amount of dedication, the amount of structure, the amount of lessons, the amount of meditation, contemplation, the amount of... Um, alterations of your mindset to be able to take that little 15 minute practice and really apply it to your life. And as a Westernized, I think we're very bastardized when it comes to these ideologies. 
and we're very bastardized in how we approach ideologies because we are taking it based on our interpretation on what we see but have never lived the experience Mm -hmm. well that's almost that's most things now because you know most of us are experiencing things through the internet now it seems you know it is when you really think about it like there's so much life out there but sometimes we get we get caught behind these screens at times it's convenient but it's also inconvenient for our spirits at times well i i believe you know we had this conversation before where we we both agreed that the major issue that we had and the major pandemic that we had was the segregation of the want to be around people that are like-minded we've lost that interpersonal connection and that social skill of having a conversation with somebody who we may not know who we may not agree with and we've lost that based on technology and as you say i've said it before and i'll say it again even this podcast is based on technology it has its uses however i if i had a choice between having this conversation via mic and you sitting in your home and me sitting at work i would rather be sitting face to face yeah because that's where you feel the emotion of the conversation absolutely you don't feel that through a screen 90% 90% of communication is is through body language, is through the expression of it. It's not just the words, you know? So there's there's a lot that you get from in-person interaction. And uh, yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, but at the same time, I can see you, which is good. Yeah, how do you? <laughs> we need to get this live on camera or something. Actually live, do a live. But anyway. What's that? We need to get this actually live someday. Just throw it up on YouTube and have go have at her. But the other thing that I want to sort of bring into your awareness is we've went through a lot in this past five, six, seven months, right? We've literally got nine wars going on across the planet. The other thing that we have to understand is there's always ulterior motives for everything, all right? And I'm not getting too political or impolitical here. I'm just sort of putting it out. We're having a, a conversation about our observances of the planet in which we live in, right? There's so much information being hidden from the general populace that they're only getting the snippets that make them sound good or the snippets that uh, fuels a certain, how would you say, party's ideological. Yeah. What, what do you feel is actually going on in the earth? There's a good question. Yeah. You know what? It's it's interesting that you say that because when it comes to what is being spoken about all the, the conflicts in the world and the wars and, you know, a potential third world war that's coming up, that energy, that chaos energy has always been projected. If it's not war, you know, there's some sort of natural disaster. There's some sort of illness. There's you know, too much pollution in the air, the animals are dying, you know, there's always some sort of chaos in the air. But sometimes when you really, you know, either, sometimes it's difficult to do within the cities, but when you go out there and you feel the the, the essence of nature, nature is, is thriving, nature's like, it's elevated. There's a, there's a, still that connection that's in the air, but right now it seems like there's this, there's this, funneling process that's happening like things are kind of bottlenecking a little bit Mm -hmm. and it's it's also like are you are you subscribing to the war are you subscribing to you know peaceful resolution what's going to happen here is 
there's obviously these big I, guys. I that... honestly think that you know whether it's a peaceful resolution. I don't think it's a case of if there's going to be a war. I'm just going to say who's going to be the stupid get the presses the button that starts it. So it's not a matter of if it's coming, it's when it's coming and who actually kicks it off. Because we've a lot of stupid people in power, right? And a lot of stupid conversations being had. And a lot of money. uh, War makes money. I'll give you a classic example, right? Crypto's going down. You know that. You follow crypto. Bitcoin's frigging jumping right now. Yeah. Why? Because Bitcoin is a major investor into ammunition. Mm. Did you know that? Mm. So uh, Falcon and uh, I can't remember the other company, but they're big ammunition companies, specifically for uh, 556, 556 and three, uh, 368 Lapua, two really high-end military-grade uh, ammunition cases. And they're skyrim. War brings money. Everybody. And I don't care. Every comp- Every country loves war. They don't like the fact that their people go being sent to war, but every company and every ammunition company loves war because it sells more. Yeah, It's a money-making scheme, in my opinion. Now, we get one side of the story, and then we never get the alternative. And now mm-hmm. with all these policing and these bill acts, we don't get to half the information at all. So that's another side of it. You know, If you're to- turning around and you say, and I'm not going to point their fingers here because i really don't care <laughs> let's make that out you know there's a really old expression there's a finger on the button you're going to get it sit back take it and just hope that you've got life afterwards but the other side of it is there's always a reason that we're not aware of of why the war is actually happening and if you're going to risk young men being conscripted into a world war at least give us the truth about it and let me tell you something. This war is going to be a massacre. This, and I, I, I really mean this with all the love in my heart. We have the worst generation of sixteen to twenty-five year olds, which are war-ready personnel, ever in history. Can you imagine? Can you imagine somebody going into war at eighteen years old now with the same level of expectation and the same level of non how would you put it respect for elders and expect these kids to win a war for us they're not mentally prepared they're not emotionally prepared and a lot of them aren't physically prepared for a war and yet these are the kids that we're going to send to slaughter because that's what will happen well you gotta ask how much of it are you is it going to be soldiers and how much of it is going to be drones how much of it are going to be you know missile strikes and more technologically based warfare or chemical warfare like somebody there's... still has to push that button yeah somebody yeah. still has to push that button and it'll have to get to the ground <clears throat> as they always do all wars end up in the ground somehow yeah so even if you look back in the wars that we've had in our generation you know there's always going to be feet there's always going to be that foot soldier that caught it, our cannon fodder as they call it and that's what's really scary because we live in a conditional society where information is not accurate and our kids aren't mentally prepared within that deep warrior primal aspect of what we have. We have not nurtured the warrior aspect of or the younger generation, in my opinion. Half well, these no. kids can't even change a freaking tire. Never mind, 
you know, be able to shoot a person in cold blood under orders. And that's a scary thought. And it's a scary thought in any civilization at any time. I want to point that out. But it's especially scary now because there's been so much bastardization of information that people don't know what's right and wrong anymore. Well, it's because, well, this past, I don't know, 70, 70 years or whatnot, there's, it's been a time of peace. You know, these generations have not had to deal with the wars. And, you know, it's it's the, the generations that did fight in the wars that were telling the younger generations, no, you don't want to fight in these wars. Mm-hmm. So with that, why would these kids want to fight in wars when... But it's not about a want, it's about being prepared. If you're going to, if, if one man is sitting in, a, in an office and said right i don't agree with this other country i'm going we're going to go to war he doesn't have to live with the consequence of that action he doesn't mm. have to it's the kids that live with it. and it was the same in the second world war and it was the same in the first world war and it's been the same in every war and that's that's the scary aspect and as a as a parent it's like my kids are like my eldest is only two years away from that conscriptual age and i'm like oh if it's going to happen, happen now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's pure selfishness. I know that. But it, it's it's the lack, it's the ease of detachability from these guys making decisions based on their wants and greeds and not the true meaning behind the wars that I'm sort of concerned about right now. So you think that, well, I mean, most wars, man, like there's obviously, it's not always for who's right and who's wrong there's there's something that they're trying to get either off of the land or there's a resource that they they're wanting to get like it's it's usually corporate you know these a lot of these wars are are privatized absolutely but why the hell at what point did we allow a a corporate greed take over the 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 rights and the principalities and the morals of a nation at what point did they lose control? At, lo- at what point are they actually at a stage where they think that they're actually... Give me a country that actually thinks they're in control of their own country. Uh, that's basically what I'm getting at. Well, that's the thing, right? It seems like these days, there's these the lines of, a, of countries and borders, it's these corporations, they expand way past that. These are international globalist corporations that have more power than most countries do they have more money than most countries do so like yeah it's it's weird because you gotta ask yourself who who's he's he's actually in control who's in control no idea you know if you look at the i'm going to say the superpowers there's always lobbying there's always these big farmers and big corporates are sitting there going well i'd pay for your your campaign to get you in but you have to scratch our back later and that's the way we've set ourselves up in a political climate and within the constructs of a country's to be at the mercy of these big corporations rather than having the voice of the people speak the truth. Because 95% of the people in a lot of these countries don't want what's going on because of the fact it's for an ulterior motive that we don't actually know the truth behind. Let's go and invade this country. Oh, they've got weapons of mass destruction. I'm going back to the Gulf War. There was evidence there was none there. But did they have a shit ton of oil? Did they have a shit ton of uranium? Did they have a shit ton of, you know, mass resources? Yes, they did. So that's make it look like this and do that. And I'm only using that as an example. 
Like the Gulf War is a classical variation of what you would call this mechanized war. They had drones, they had big, the whole thing was over and done with in no time at all because it was a calculated strike. And you don't do that in 48 hours. That's years of planning. Hmm. So when you take a look back, like how much of this that's going on in the world right now is years of planning. And then let's go the other way. Let's go to the spiritual aspect of this. Look at the prophecies throughout the major scriptures. Look at the prophecies in the Sumerian tablets, the Egyptian tablets. Look at the prophecies in Revelation, uh, the Quran. You know, the core, just just as a, as a variance for a few, every one of them are prophesizing the exact same thing. And how much of this is spiritually prophesized because the big guy upstairs is going, I'm done with these people. They need to be reset again. And how much is people's greed? And this is where we're always toying what's real and what's not, right? And this is why... This is why me and you have these sort of conversations. I don't believe it, man, because it's just trying to figure it out. And sometimes you do have to just take a moment and, and think about what is the reality of my situation right now? Like, is is this is this what we're at or is this what we're being fed? Is this is this just kind of what is being portrayed to us? Or is there something else going on? Well, I don't, you know, if people are having a sensible conversation, just like this, we're just having a sensible conversation, trying to get banter around ideas here not really i don't want to influence anybody i'm sure you don't want to either but we're sitting here we're having a, a banterized variation and your knowledge and my knowledge on multiple aspects of this is completely different i don't want to point that out we know we're different but we always have common ground and that is the spiritual consciousness and the advance and the advancement of people however look at the amount of things that are said the prophecies are prophesized for a reason they're pre-written predestined to occur do we unintentionally manifest them by bringing the energy there, or are we actually created them? Already been in put in place for mm -hmm. it, to happen, right? It's almost like setting that intention for the future. Yeah. Is that what's known, or is that what we're manifesting through what we are being told? Yeah, but look, but then again, we're back on the what we're being told. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the scary part of this. So if we go back into the what we're being told aspect. And we we look at well here here's a classic example. What about that photograph I sent you the other night? Yeah, that tear. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's that's not normal. No, there's a lot of things that are normal. But you know on. what I mean. So just just to let the the listeners understood. I sent Rob a, a picture of what we thought was a dimensional tear. We mm -hmm. we still don't know what it is. Let's be honest, right? But if I said that. You know, if I went on the TV and go, look at this happen, everybody think I was a freaking off me rocker, right? If you look at the prophecies of the Bible, one of the major signs of the second coming is an increase in war, an increase in destitution within the, the spiritual communities, which we're actually having right now. This war's just recently kicked off, which is two religious ideologies. The Euphrates River drying up and the Titans or the, the fallen ones will be released. The Euphrates has dropped 14 feet in this past four years. The the videos that are coming out of that area right now? From All the, 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 the sunken cities, the sunken variances, the cracks and the, the chain sounds from under the Euphrates? The sounds, the sounds is, I don't know if, I, I'm hoping, I, I'm honestly hoping that those are, are fake because some of those noises that they're they're pulling out from, like they're they're finding staircases that are underneath this river that go to who knows where they're hearing 
sounds and screams of some kind coming from deep within the like it's scary and then you think of all the deaf you know then you go right so maybe it is biblical okay yeah. that's just and we're using the biblical term as a term of not not just the judeo christian table let's go maybe it's scriptural i think that would be a better term because all everything that's sacred is classified as scripture so if you look at all these scriptures they're all saying the same thing and then you look at these big organizations who take the evidence of these scriptural occurrences um let's let's just point a few fingers the Smith, uh, smithsonian let's mm. look at uh you know the vatican let's look at the blindenberg group the rothschild group they have access to trillions of dollars of ancient artifacts trillions we don't know what they have honestly it's i'm sure it's not categorized right but you look at all this evidence and you look at all this stuff that's happening and then you back it up with the scriptures and cross-reference it with multiple variations of what we would call the end goal or the revelation or the 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 reset if you want to call it that oh there's so much more evidence to support that spiritual side than there is the as i say big pharma big corporation side so how much is influenced and that's what I'm saying. You know, are they influencing a reset? Or is this something that they're just sort of happen to be coincidentally happening alongside it? And these, these are the things that we, without proper amounts of information, that is not CGI based. It's not, that's another random thing. I'm just going to say it really quickly. I seen a video the other day of a CGI orientated bomb attack in the Gaza Strip. Yeah, and, it was, and there was no bomb there. Because there was a person in that exact street at that time recording it, and there was nothing there. I'm they like, well, Ukraine, man. There's there's videos of the same thing of like the whole square that was apparently blown up, and the next day there's somebody sitting in a hotel recording that same street. Yeah, and there's nothing going on. It, it's how do you know? You really like there's this whole shroud of illusion that has now been placed on top of everything and yeah, because very, of technology. Yeah. Absolutely. And well, it, it's almost penetrated every aspect because even with the kids these days, when they are on Snapchat or whatever it is, they're, on, they're, always, they're using filters. Everything's filters. So it's very Do you difficult. have a filter on right now? Do, no. Neither no do I. Filter. I'm Can naked. I have, uh, that's I, I'm naked. I'm naked. Same here. I'm well, not technically. I've got clothes on, but you know what I mean. I'm filterly <laughs> naked. No filters, yeah. No, no filters. filters. Hashtag no filters. Be authentic. Be yourself. If you can't be yourself, don't even talk online because then you're just you're you're playing a fantasy that isn't there. And there's nothing. VR worlds, Oof. metaverse, VR worlds. How crazy is that crap getting right now? Dude, did you see Lex Friedman and um, what is that guy's name? The, the owner of Facebook. What's his name? Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, did you see these these new glasses that they got now where you put it on and it maps your whole face mm -hmm. and it's basically what you see like how my background is is black mm -hmm. you see that but it's the person sitting right in front of you in an alternate reality and it, it's literally like taking an imprint of your upper torso and placing you in this new reality you can see everything that's like crazy. the detail it's wild they have a video of it and yeah, it's getting pretty wild, man. What, what, what was that movie? Ryan Reynolds, Blue Shirt Guy? Yeah. Um, That's what it's... Uh, was, it, uh, was it called Blue Shirt Guy? No, it, wasn't it... Uh, 
But you know the one I'm on about where he was like an avatar. Like, he's like an avatar in like a in a game. Son and everything's a game. Oh, I'm gonna have to research that. Keep talking. Uh, yeah, no, it's um, but that's the thing. Man. That's what it almost seems like. That is what they want us to subscribe to. You know, the external right. world is dangerous. It's you know, there's wars, there's pollutions, there's chemicals, there's you know, all these things that are happening in the world. Stay inside. Put these glass. It's surrogate. It's the same concept of surrogate. Free guy. Free guy. That's the called free guy. But he was the blue shirt guy that actually came to life in his own avatar. Yeah, he would. But so that's what it feels like. And then there's some people is aligning more to the Matrix theory right now. Well, let me tell you something. Somebody's really fucked up the programming of this Matrix. If this is the case, <laughs> there there has been a major overload of some of the back cash here because that is messed up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, it's, there's something, something, something just does not operate. And yeah, there's something missing, man. Like things don't add up. I don't know if it's, if it has to do with what is being said and what is, is being seen or what is not being seen. Oh, there's more not being seen than seen. Let's make that clear. Yeah. Definitely more not being seen than seen. Like, well, we, like, even if we go back to the start of that Antarctica program, um, that part of this little chat, the amount of stuff that's coming out of Antarctica is crazy. And the amount of stuff that's been covered up is crazy. And even the ex-employees are coming out now and going, hey, this is not everything that you think it is. Like, Did you say, oh, they, they defrosted a, a thing from like 35 million years ago or something? You say they're, they're already genetically splicing the mammoths? Oh, yeah, they're, they're due for release in Siberia next year. The, the Indian elephants or whatever. They're, yeah. they're, so they got original DNA from... Next from, year? Yeah. So they got original DNA from a, a, a soil sample, I think it was, where it had a lock bone marrow. Frost in Antarctica. They found actual, like, the remains of a, a mammoth that was left frozen in the ice. And they took the, the cells from that mammoth and then injected it into, like, a an elephant egg or whatever. And then they put oh, yeah, the egg. It was an Indian elephant because that's the closest to it, isn't it? Yeah, the black ele- the black Indian elephant or something like that. It's like one of the largest, the closest relatives to mammoths. So they're just going to gonna make these mammoths and Jurassic then they're going to throw them in, where is it, Syria or China or something? Siberia. Like Siberia, thank you. That's close. Syria. That's... No, Siberia is a wee bit north. Yeah, because they want, they want to get that same thing. But yeah, they're going to make a Jurassic world. Literally. And then they find another place in the, in, in the depths of the chi- in China where they actually find a complete, um, how would say, micro ec- uh, ecosystem with multiple animals that were thought to be extinct. This is in where, sorry? Uh, somewhere in the upper regions of China. Interesting. Because they did something similar to that in Antarctica, but it was under the permafrost. It was basically like a giant ice glow, like a... Like a... Permament? Permanent, and when they pierced it, it was just like a, a forest of some kind. And See there's what like, I mean? Agartha, land inside the earth inside the earth. We're getting into the Agarthan theory here, but it's there's more evidence. Like I don't give a crap what anybody says. Right? There's some amounts of bullshit out there. You know that I know that because it doesn't sit with any variation, whether you're spiritual, energetic, or logical. Right? You and I are not all knowing. We know that too. But we do a crap lot of research. 
The other thing that you have to understand is all of these myths and stories didn't come from nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It had to come from somewhere. And then you look at all these random things and advancements in our technology, advancements in our understanding of even um, genetic splicing and genotes. We're not using modern terms here. We're using terms that they were using 150,000 years ago. We're just relearning the stuff that was wiped from our memory, in my opinion. That's the thing. Like, what are we have our physical memory of what's happened now? But is there another memory? Is it well, like a Akashic memory? Like, what? Well, yeah, well, okay. So let's look at the, the, the terms here. Let's break that down. Because Akashic Records is your, uh, apparently, your blueprint of your soul from the moment of creation tonight. Now, before anybody goes out and goes, well, I've had my readings done. No, you've, nobody can read your Akashic Records. Only yourself can read them on a deep uh, interconnected level or God. That's, that's two access codes. And I don't give a crap who says, oh, I do Akashic Records reading. That's impossible. Because if you actually read what it means, it means you've no access to it. Um, the other thing when we look about these different records, memory is always what's called um, stimulus or sensory marked. So you don't have a memory unless one of your senses is in place. The only exception to that rule is water. And what are we made of around our brain? A lot of water. Right. So where did that water come from? It's it's part of our genetic makeup, I guess. The amniotic fluid. Okay. True. And then we developed and developed and developed. So if, well, the, there is a, there is a, part of it. Water is the conductor. It's like for the electrical signals, we need that that fluid to channel those, those neurons and fire off those. Well, it also holds us in stasis and water does hold memory. We know that there was an experiment that I loved recently. I watched it and it was a guy in China who took a drop of water yeah. um, from a bowl that he got his uh, university students to curse at and really put all their hate in for six days straight. Mm. Right. And at the exact same time, they had the other bowl and the other bowl was absolute love. Like these guys were literally treating it, they're idolizing it just to show the difference. So they took a drop and they froze it. Hmm. All that had negativity under the microscope showed fractal layers of scales, scaly reptilian tile scales. I want to point that out for the record. The other side, which had the positivity actually developed into beautiful snowflakes, which are crystalline structures of consciousness. Yeah. So when the negativity is activated, the more, I'm going to say, reptilian side comes out. And when the positivity side comes in, the, the more structured uh, crystalline version comes out. So that to me said that the water has two variants. It either has the raw nutrient animalistic side or it has the very deep spiritual catalyst side. Mm -hmm. Fascinating stuff, my friend. Absolutely. I mean, would you say that? I'm just gonna throw it out. So, <laughs> with, that, <laughs> with that negative energy projection, and you're saying that it turns into a form of a, a reptilian, reptilian-like scales. Yeah. That brings us closer towards either a primal, rep exactly, primal type of living, like that that fighter that one that needs to like you need to fight you need to kill to survive 
Yeah, so. that's that primal instinct is brought out through negativity. And that's where I'm saying that we can't all live in the rose guard because then we've no defense mechanism. That primalistic variance of survival instinct, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. We need that as a part of our makeup because that's how we keep ourselves out of danger. Otherwise, we get tubes walking around, beating their head off car doors and running into traffic every two seconds. That's what keeps us there is that fight, flight, fawn syndrome. But when you have absolute positivity, it shows the structure of positivity, proving mm. that positive mindset and positive emotion has structure to it, whereas non-positive and negative is chaotic. Complex structure against just absolute chaos or, or uh, yeah. what's another term for chaos? Almost spontaneous. Yeah, spontaneity and disorganization. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's freaky stuff, man. Hey, okay, I got another one for you. All right. Okay, I hope this is not true. I genuinely hope this is not true. Ooh. We've gone from you know cryptids to wars. Now we're talking AI. Okay. So, CIA apparently had made a contract with Japan. Okay. Yes. And they are we talking were, about the face trackers here? Talking about the freaking military robots that they had going on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they're crazy. I've seen I've seen I've seen videos on that on the, the not so good web. Yeah. So okay. okay, but this is the thing. Apparently, there was four of them that they had created. So at first it was the CIA that ran it, and then the CIA passed the buck to Japan to take over it. And then they had them in a lab, and then these things and shot up everything. Killed like twenty-four people or something like that. They they destroyed three of the robots, but there was one, mm -hmm. this freaking one, that managed to escape, and then it got dismembered, but it was able to repair itself consciousness into one of the military satellites and download the information to rebuild itself. And now they don't know where it is. Yep. And it's 2017. Yep. I read that whole report. It was scary as hell. 2000, that was six years ago, Stevie. At what time was that? What, what other movie was out at that time? Think about this. Skynet. Terminator. You know what's actually another good one that was low-key? No, no, but listen to that. Oh, I know. What I know happened? That. What happened? That was the exact same thing that now, happened. Yeah, and I hope it's just a movie. I hope that was just a part of the movie. I don't just... think it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> but there's there's a movie called Monsters, uh, Monster of Men. 2019 Dark Fate Terminator came out, which is all about that, just for the record. So they got two years of information, right? And mon so there's one called Monster of Men that, that they have on uh, Tubi which is basically a very similar aspect. It's basically these robots that they send into a small uh, village in, and I think it's like, I don't know, Puerto Rico, some sort of forest-based place. Right. Uh, Let's call they, it the Amazon Basin. I like that sounds about right. Um, and they drop these four robots in and they they basically have like a bad landing and some of them fall and break or whatever. But there's a hard drive in the back that keeps them in control. Mm -hmm. And one of them somehow had that taken out 
and it, and it didn't have that governor on it. Yeah. And it kind of just started doing its own thing. And then, I don't know, man. Yeah. So, right. But here's the other side of that. Let's look at that. Let's go down a wormhole. Oh, you know, I love my wormholes, right? Tell me about it. Me too. What if we as human beings have one of them governing capacitors in our pineal gland? In our pineal gland? Uh-huh. Think about that. If we come back and if you believe in the ideology of reincarnation and coming back and doing your blueprint and doing your karmic life, right? What if there's a governor that's attached to us? So then the consciousness doesn't travel forward and we have to keep re-remembering. That's, a, that's, a, that's sort of like, hmm, that's a, that's a contemplative moment. Absolutely. But and when you think about it, because we, we create in our own image, right? So if we say God create, we're created through God in his image. Yeah. And we create through our own. That's why I get robots are getting more and more. This, you know, quantum AI is getting more and more realistic within the human form. If we place governance on that, does it not mean that we're just mimicking the governance that's on us? Well, I don't. Oh, he's stumped. I don't usually see him stumped, and I'm watching his face. He's like, I never to, thought of that. The words that I want, because we can only, we can only we have only so much mental capacity that we're told we have. Oh, we have a hundred percent mental capacity. We only use 10% at a time. That's, that's bullshit. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if the 10%. Well, if you think you can put the entire information of the entire universe from the creation of the universe by what we say in modern terms into one speck of blood, how much information could you really carry in your brain if it's got 16 billion of the same cells? Here's the thing that there's, there's the conscious awareness and then there's the unconscious awareness. And that's the bit that I'm talking about. The fact that we have to pull this from the parasympathetic or subconscious alignment, there has to be a governor that stops that. Now there is a gland there. It's called the pawns gland, but that's the emotional response reaction gland for that. But there has to be a governance of our uh, of an operating system it's probably a fight flight right because if if well, where does that come from fight or flight where's you your fight it? flight where does flight flight come to where is it in the brain no where is it period uh i don't know what do you mean so when you say we're, we're going to fight flight freeze fawn syndrome right yeah where is that syndrome? Where is that information held within our body that forces us to primarily go into it? It's primal. It's it's primal. So it's a part of your DNA. Survival mechanism. Yeah, but it's a part of your DNA. And it's not a survival mechanism. It's a survival response pattern. Mm. Because a mechanism means that we have a, par- a way of governing it. We cannot govern our primal selves. We can't actually alter it because it alters our DNA. Yeah. So if you, if, if you look at the genetic experiments that they're working on right now, which they call the zombie variants, they're actually turning off the rest of the information, that reactive node information, and just highlighting that primal rage, which is turning into what we call zombie modes. I got to tell you, man, some of these, these, oh, it's so sad to see. Like yeah. you, the mental experiments. 
drive around you drive even just here in hamilton or like even i don't know if you see it down your way but you see these people and they're there's nothing going on there they're literally hunched over standing in the streets gone yeah mentally they've checked out mentally they've got to such a degree where they've lost touch with reality but is it the drugs that these people are on well i think the drugs start it but then you get comfortable with the drug scenario and then it becomes a pattern within your own brain. Basically how addiction works, right? You get that initial high, you sort of think about it, you think about it, you think about it. Because nobody's born an addict. You have the Every person and certain traits of people have addictive personalities and yeah. addic addictive traits. So it may be more prone to some um, areas of genealogy. But you have to continually uh, bring it. The question is, not if it's drugs or if it's emotion, but why? What's triggering it? Is it external influence? Is it internal reaction? And that's where each individual case you have to apply. And it is. It's really sad. It's really sad to know that a lot of people complain about, well, I've only got a crappy apartment or I've only got a crappy this and my car is an old winter beater or my car is this. And you look and you're driving past people who literally haven't got anything to their name. Well, we got all these tent cities coming up out of nowhere right now. Right, they're everywhere, man. They're everywhere. And that's, that's well, that's economic reas, which is another thing. Like, And I have to be very careful what I say here because under the new bill, I, I can't really diss any one particular country. But let's go on a global ideology here. Everything is being raised and donational money is being sent to help certain wars across the world. And that money could literally solve the homelessness in any country. Yeah. Any country. Like if yeah. you turn around and if you take the combined westernized, and I'm saying combined westernized aid for any of these wars, right? You're looking at least $2 billion, at least. Yeah. It's probably maybe 10, 20 times that, but let's go in the bare minimum, right? $2 billion. If you have uh, an average of, say, 180,000 people. Yeah who are homeless, who are destitute, who aren't addicts, who aren't there because of addictive personality, who are there because they generally cannot support their family due to inflationary rates and all the rest of it. How, you know, give that, give them families, give that guy even a hundred K to get his life back on track. And you wouldn't have a homeless problem which therefore wouldn't attract more homelessness because once you bring the vibration down of an area, that vibration attracts the same vacuum. You mentioned tent cities, right? Well, one person set up that tent. Then another person came in to say, okay, well, there's a tent there, so we're safe. And then before you know it, you have 100 tents. And then before you know it, you've got a little fucking city of tents based on one person saying, I have, I have no choice anymore. I literally have that just up the street here. Like, I, I live in a very nice area, but just up the street, there's a little parkette that you can walk around. At the at first, there's maybe three scattered around, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you see another tent kind of pop up beside one tent, and now they have them co like connected. There's there's it's like a community. Tents. It's like a whole yeah. It's literally there's like four or five tents connected all together. Yeah, it's a community. They're building a community because we are a pack species, right? That's who we are. It's who we need to be. We are a pack species, so we have to take into consideration the fact that you know. We find comfort in packs. Yeah. I just got a message. <laughs> but 
yeah, and it's 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 just not here. It's globally. Everybody's hitting the same thing, like, and that's what I'm saying. All this, all this racketeering, and that's what I'm going to call it: racketeering and sending money outside your own country to assist others. My view has always been, and this was growing up. This is people's money that is supposed to be back in our welfare. Well, you know, I had a similar, you know, view when I was growing up in in Ireland, right? In Northern Ireland, and and what was the height of the troubles? Well, I was a wee, you know, I was sort of towards the end of the really bad troubles, right? But I always used to say was, well, you're sending all this money to help these people over here. Why can't you keep the money here and fix it here for us? You're sending people over to Iraq or, you know, the Middle East or, you know, wherever to fight a war. Why aren't you fixing the war in your own country first? Put the expenses to cover your own people. And I think that's a major issue with most modern society where we're so out of touch in what government is meant to be. Mm-hmm. that we don't realize that we are fueling the government. It's our money that fuels us. Your money is not being spent to help you. Your money is being sent to help people that are halfway around the world who don't even know your name. And then when it comes to this variance of, well, I need assistance, we don't get it. Well, we, get and that's what, we get the Berman, and that's what's happening to, in multiple countries around the world. Yeah. So, you know, every person's going to complain about their own country. I don't actually complain about where I live. I don't. I, I actually kind of like it here. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's a beautiful country, man. I'm just... But yeah. uh, but the uh, fact of the matter is, it's, it's the obligation that hmm. we have signed up to unintentionally by giving control where we don't have a voice. And every society is the same. From the people, for the people. Oh, that right? that's that gone about 15, 20 years ago in every country around the world. But yeah, I, I don't know if it just means that the people are stupid. Like, are we just dumb? Are we just... No, I think, we're, again, we've lost touch. Because you we're, think that the modern, the modern generation now, and we were talking about it earlier on, you know, that you're going to send kids off to slaughter if they say conscript. But they've also that separation. That separation of understanding that, you know, okay, you don't vote. I don't want to vote for these people. Well, that means that the person that you do want in has lost a vote. Hmm. And we have this mentality, and I've watched this mentality develop over about 25, 30 years. I used to be that guy. I got to go out and vote. I got to go out and vote. And the reason why I had to go out and vote is because my parents said, listen, if you don't vote, it means that the side that we don't want in has just gained a vote because you yeah. didn't help your side. It was the same scenario even when Trump got in. Everybody thought, oh, Trump's not going to get in. Trump's not going to get in. Trump's got to get in. Hillary's got it. Hillary's got it. Hillary's got it. And then they sort of got complacent. Well, you know, you didn't go out and vote, so you're not going to get the results. Mm. The problem is now people aren't freaking voting, but yet they're bitching about the, the, the government. In the last election, there was only a 40-something percent turnout. Talking about the U.S. or Canada? Both. Forty percent turnout. Forty percent of the populace was brought up out of nowhere. Here in Eastern Canada, it was like there. There was not even planned. It just kind of was like, here, yeah, here's an election. You want me to keep going? And there was no real opposition. And that's 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 the point. 
because the government has been let off of this for so many decades, and not just this government, I'm talking about globally, all these governments have been let off of it for so long, they think they can call this and do this whenever they want. Mm. The people have lost control. Yeah. And the people don't realize they're the ones in control. We've lost power, it seems. It seems like we've all lost our power. Yeah, we've, we've lost our ability to believe we have the power. Like, if, if you put it like this, right? And this sounds very extreme. I'm not saying do this by any means. If every person stopped working right now yeah. for one year, just one we're, year. We're fueling it, right? If, if, one, if every person stopped working for one year and didn't pay their bills, and every person stopped purchasing materialism for one year, the entire global economy would collapse. But what would happen? Does that mean that there's complete anarchy? Does that mean that's But just... that shows you where your priorities are. Your priorities is in consumerism and capitalism, and that's how they keep you in the loop. I have... It's about a change of mindset that we require, not a change of leadership, essentially. We need to change the populace's mindset to say, right, okay, you want me to buy this brand new, let's name drop a Tesla, just for the randomness. I want you to name drop a Tesla, or, or we're going to get you all to buy Teslas because they're great for the environment, right? 50,000 tons of, of raw materials is required to make one Tesla. That's 50. Three times more than what is required to make ten gasoline Don't cars. Huh? That. Don't forget that cobalt that they're putting in the batteries. That's mm-hmm. just that modern day slavery. But do you know I what I mean? All, all of it's there, like, and this is my point. It's, yeah. it's, it's the bastardization of information, and we're back to that. How much we know, and how much do we actually know? And that's the scary part. Well, like. Obviously, we're not experts here, but if we were just to to brainstorm, do you think what is the best way forward? Is it that communities we, that we be, we have these smaller communities, smaller we, communities that are helping each other on a barterized ratio? Let's take a step back, just leap forward. You know, <laughs> we're so reliant. We we've got in a pardon commune or when you say yeah, no, like like literally creating a commune or a little community you know like yeah. even a gated community within yourselves where everybody helps each other let's step back let's take let's take back the value of assisting and bartering right rob you're fantastic at massage give me a massage i'll i'll get your carpentry done and then oh you, you're a carpenter i'm an electrician do some carpentry for me i'll do some electricity for you Bring it back to a situation where people have feeling that they are connected with the community because I don't care who you are in an, an environmental world like we're in now, especially over this last 20 years, nobody feels like they're part of a community anymore. Well, you yeah, may have your small clique of friends. Fine, or it's, <laughs> yeah, so there's not a, a full-blown physical community at times. There might be, there might be smaller pockets of people that feel that they do. Mm-hmm. But as as a as a whole, we maybe we feel we're a part of a city, part of a, a province or a country. But I but think even that's lost its its sensibility now. You know, to say you're Irish or to say you're Canadian or say you're American or to say it's not 
said with the same pride that it was 20 years ago. You know what I mean? And I'm not dissing anybody by any means. Like you go up to America 20 years ago. Yeah, America. America. Abraham is America. Mm. And they were proud to be American. Yeah. You know what I mean? You go to you British. I, I'm British and I'm proudly British. You know what I mean? You, you've all, you had that pride in your nation. You had that pride in your country. But the entire world is so fed up that nobody's got the pride anymore. So you're saying about, you know, like, you know, localized cities, like Hamilton, Brantford, Mississauga, Toronto, you know, go ahead, Oshawa, London, whatever. You, you don't have that pride anymore. Nobody gives a crap. Like, here's an honest question, right? How long? You're you're pretty new to your location right now, yeah? A couple of months. How many of your neighbors do you know? Can you look out your window and know every single person who lives around you was, say, with an eyesight? Absolutely not. Well, you go yeah. back You go back 30 years ago, and our, the way our parents was. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Who are you dating? Oh, I'm dating this girl. Oh, is that so, so-and-so's daughter? Oh, I knew them, and I knew their parents, and I knew their uncle, and I knew their cousin. That community aspect has totally disappeared from us. And that's why I think that we've relied more on technology because we have to find a sense of community. So that's why you have a lot of groups and say, you know, these big platforms, social media platforms, you'll have little groups like say cosplay here. And then you might get an archery group there, a hunting group there. You, you might get a, you know, freaking skibu group over here. I'm still playing that for the record. An Uno group over here. You might get all these little groups, but that's yeah. because we're so desperate to find community because we've been forced to feel that we have to, can't do it in the physical realm. But that almost seems like it's a double-edged sword because it's, you look for the, you, you desire as a human being, we desire connection. We desire community. Now, if you feel like it's too difficult to go out there or you don't have the time or the energy to go out and meet people that are local to you, the best next thing is go online and find your community that way. But I think that, I, I think, I think the technology aspect gives us a false protection of who we are. Hmm. And I think that's where the issue lies within the technology. I'm not saying don't go out and find a group. Find your tribe, people. Oh, fucking find your tribe. Once you find your tribe, that's that. However, you can't go there with the false pretenses that you're just an avatar on a screen. Mm. And that's where I'm saying that the interpersonal skills have gone. Of being able to say, like, even go around your neighborhood and go, oh, well, hi, I'm the so-and-so I live down the street. If you need anything, give me a shout. Now, I'm lucky I live in a wee collective right now. So it's like six or four buildings and, you know, we all sort of kind of like each other. So, you know, my next door neighbor, he'll blow my leaves and I'll shovel his, shovel his back. You know what I mean? We, we'll, we'll help each other as a like a community base. But I know these people now. Yeah. Well, you know? my know this was to say it when I lived in Toronto with her for a bit. She always said one hand washes the other. Yeah. So it's that idea of, you know, you help your neighbor out, they'll help you out too. Like there's that give and take that, that aspect of it that yeah but right now like i'll give you a classic example because you know we've the convenience store next door yeah and this lady was trying to get into the door and she had a walker and i went out i went all right i'll help you and i'll open the door and i've actually got two instances of that. and she goes she goes why did you do that and i says because you were struggling and i wanted to help you she goes it's very rare these days that's one instance i was yeah. in costco over the weekend yeah and i went in and there was a lady who was had two amp she was a, a double amputee right 
she was struggling to put her stuff up on the belt. So I said, I turned around to Courtney. I said, give me a minute. I'm going to help this old lady. I started putting up in the belt. And she goes, uh, her partner was beside him or beside her. And she was also a double amputee. So I said, I'll help yours too. But the lady goes, uh, said to me, or said to her partner, or just let him do it. It's his job. I'm, an, I'm sorry, miss. I don't work here. I'm just trying to get you along the way here and put your stuff on. She goes, oh, my, I'm so sorry. I'm not used to anybody actually being nice anymore. And that was the word she said. And that common decency, that community that your nona had said, it's the exact same thing that we're living in day in, day out. And that's why this world's messed up. Because we're not, we're too busy watching, trying we're to just, be something that we're not. We're disconnected. And I feel at the same time, we're also exhausted. I'm tired. Oh, I'm tired too. Especially with what we I do. I hate man. humanity on a good day. What's that? I hate humanity on a good day. I know. It's right? But that's the thing, right? Like, especially if, if you're in the field of working with people, it, it can be exhausting. And it's, especially when it's the, the minuscule amount of things that they complain about. I don't have that new car. Some people don't have a freaking roof over the head. And you're complaining that you don't have a brand new Ferrari when it came out or your neighbor got it before you did. We need to really reevaluate our lives. And that's well, the disconnect. I always try to remind myself of gratitude just being grateful you know sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in yes i need to buy this yes like i need that 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 to to be where i want to be or to be happy or whatever you think it is but at the same time you gotta like stop and be like holy crap like i'm grateful for what i have i've yeah, done but you can't take it with you what's that you can't take it with you no we all go back to the same place so sharing is caring sharing is caring right oh, yeah. I'm So sharing, sharing, I'm sorry, I just got a picture of Jesus. Um, sharing is caring. You know, when, when we frown upon somebody in need, well, then that to me is not a very spiritual or human thing to do. There's no compassion there. Okay. And then what annoys me, I was watching a documentary the other night where there was a whole squad of certain, and we're going to say beggars that go around to all these junctions and these guys is a multi-million dollar illegal cartel and i found this out the other night i watched a documentary on it so them local guys that are sitting at the intersection going i've had nothing date and they're being yeah. dropped off uh this was actually a documentary that was around the mississauga area in ontario yeah, it's it's uh, like it's organized they have this they have this down to an art right but they'll drop one person off and bring another one in and it's a multi-million dollar illegal operation. And we go, oh, that's so nasty. And so then people are know that, um, a lot of people know that it's all bullshit, right? And then the people who actually need help can't get it because we've been so desensitized by the bullshit of people taking advantage of the system. Well, we generalize, right? It's yeah. that generalizing of, of, if these people must do it, then everybody must be like that. They're all like that. And ah, fuck them. <laughs> no, <I'm with> you. <laughs> well that's the thing right man because it's 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 also energetically taxing to have to decide if this person is genuinely in need of help mm -hmm. or if they're a part of like a whole organization that is just taking money from people and it, it's really you know that's that's life in a nutshell right now i just go with what my gut say if you follow your intuition you're usually right if you're if you're questioning somebody and you're seeing them begging, you go, nah, that doesn't look right. I follow that. 
And every yeah. now and again, you'll find that one person you go, that person is a genuine person who's actually struggling. I'll drop some money to that person. I've done yeah. it. There was one guy, um, I'm trying to think of the junction. It was down in Toronto, um, off Bathurst. Okay. And there was this one guy that was always there. Now, my gut always said this guy was genuine. Mm-hmm. Always said. And then this guy moved. I don't know where the hell he went to. He probably went to a different street. And this other guy replaced it. And my gut always said, from the word go, this is a fake. This is a fake. Hmm. He was featured in the same documentary I was talking about the other day. He was the, he was the leader of this little cartel. This These guys bring in over three million a year. Wow. And just sending multiple people out to beg. And that's what I I'm see. saying. We should, we should, we need to collapse, reprioritize, and bring back the old school values of compassion, sharing, and camaraderie that we respect that we've lost for each other. And I would say, as a generalization for ourselves as a nation. Hmm. That's a deep contemplative thought you've on there, there, bro. Yeah, because how do you do that for a whole nation? It's one thing to do it for a small community, um, you know, a town, a, a, a population of a few thousand is, 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 is manageable to some degree. But once you get into the millions, the, no, the, it starts. It all starts with a thought. Right there is the the a classic. I'm going to say unintentionally pro programmed response where we don't we look at the problem from a massive perspective instead of a small perspective of going well. Let's start somewhere, rather than looking at it from this massive millions upon millions of people globally who are starving and homeless. We have to look at it right. You know the old expression, um, start at home, make the change at home and it spreads. You have to do it in the community, in your personal community. So that little group that you were talking about, four or five things. Well, what what can we do to get them into stable housing with a stable job and get them moving forward? Well, I know they're implementing like the tiny houses. That's one area that they're working on. And yes, you're right. Like as soon as you mentioned that, thank you for, for bringing that like, pointing that out for me because i you know i have my programming too i'm not perfect um but that that think locally or no sorry think globally act locally you know you think of the bigger picture but you implement it in in your vicinity that's so go ahead and help. So right, we're coming into a time of the year where it's going to be snow it's going to be frost there's going to be old people around go ahead and help in the community build a name in your community that community shares so if you go down um, down the street, there's an old lady there and she needs your freaking driveway shovel. Go and shovel it. It doesn't matter if she's got three kids. Go and shovel it. If it needs done, help out. What that'll do is it'll show somebody in the community is prepared to help others. Monkey see, monkey do. A small... Genuinely feel great when you just genuinely want to help another person. Right. Amazing of, of how just from naturally wanting to just be of service, the the ramifications of that it has on yourself and your environment. You're right. And, and, see- and I believe that's a very spiritual existence mm. because it, helping without the expectation of return allows us to feel the full power of that gratitude and compassion that we have. 
And like all these kids go out now and they just want to wreck shit. They just want to break stuff down. Put yeah, a shovel yeah. in the hands. Okay, go and shovel that street. Yeah. Give it give give that guy a day off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we all have our own problems, right? We all have our own struggles. We all have our own ups. We all have our own downs. We were all of our own traumas. Sometimes it's nice just to, for somebody to take something off without being asked. And that's the bit that we've lost. That feeling that we can help somebody without offending them mm. or expecting something off them. Because mm. like when you, you, you know, the unfortunately with today's market, we have the other variants as well, that if you help somebody who doesn't ask for it, we're offending them. Well, I'm offended. You're offended. Yeah. <laughs> you well, offend me with your offense. How can you be like a an invisible Samaritan almost? Like that's what's called fake charities. What is it called? Fake charities. You just set up a charity. Fake charities. Yeah. Explain. So you're saying how can you do this without you know bringing too much attention to yourself? Well, you just put it under a charity name. Hmm. Shovel, shovel for the elderly. There you go. There's an evidence. You get people to go out, and all they have to do is shovel the, the, an elderly's things yard. That's a variation of charity. It's not costing anything. It's mm. not doing anything. But it starts with a thought that then becomes a seed that grows naturally. So um, as, as long as you label it, you can give it power. So by saying, like, literally, shovel for the elderly this winter, so this is going to be our winter charity case. We have to shovel an elderly person's driveway for the entire winter. Yeah. Well, that's one person doing that. And then if the one person says, well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm getting involved in this shovel for the elderly. Well, then they go, oh, well, I like the thought of that. I'll do that too. And before you know it, you're 40, 50 people doing it. And then that's an entire season, winter season, where the elderly are more vulnerable mm-hmm. or getting help on a subtle level so that at least they can get out of the house to get to the grocery stores to get back to the house. And it starts by putting a label on it. The yeah. problem is we usually put negative connotations to the label. Mm-hmm. We assume that it's something that's not. But it, you have to, that's where it says, start with an idea. Fuck, we, we can start this idea we just talked about. That's yeah. shovel for the winter. One person starts by shoveling off and we say, listen, if you want to be part of it, here, shovel for the neighbor. Or the forward type of thing, you know. Yeah, forward. That's, have you seen that movie? I love it. That's that's a yeah. It's that ripple effect, right? Yeah, and Do it's you... all about the ripple effect, right? It's all about getting it to a stage where your behavior, in a positive fashion, affects positivity from a larger perspective, and that's that's where that's where I think we're we are feeling because of that disjointedness that we have within our own society right now through technology. But it's funny because we need the, the medium of technology to get the words of stuff of this out. But then the other side of it is we don't like the technology because we, this is a conversation we should be having face to face. Yeah. That's why I always think of it as a double-edged sword because it's, you know, there's that positive side to it. And then there's obviously the other, like you can always look at something in, in different ways. Right. Yeah. But- so which side do you want to give more attention to? Do you want to look at the positive side of what you can be giving, or do you want to just look at the name or? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know what you're saying, but I think, again, it's one of these scenarios where we think that we don't have enough power to make a change, but one person doing one thing that will rub off. 
it may yeah. take a bit of time to get traction, but it does rub off because every single major movement, whether it be a positive movement or a negative, started by one person having an idea that they had the passion to back up. I'll give you a classic example. I'm going to name drop a company here. Um, Ten Fed, Corey and Mike, two fantastic young lads from Toronto. Absolutely amazing guys. Love them. Absolutely love them. So they came up with an idea that I want to have a clothing line that helps people. Hmm. So that sustainability variance was I'm going to get non-planned obsolescence clothing. I'm going to put our logo on it. And for every one on sale, I'm going to have 10 kids or 10 meals made. Six locally, four internationally. Or it could be the other way around, four or six. Either way. So they, they got in line with a company called um, Kids for Hunger. Mm. So every single shirt that they make, it produces a meal, every one that's sold. And that was an idea from two kids. Now, Mike and Corey are extremely successful young men. I say young, they're in mine right around my age. Jeez, I'm just thinking about that. I don't want to diss them out. They're not young, like they're my age. So, but they started with an idea. Now, the first time they'd done it, it failed. The second time they'd done it, it worked. And now they're pretty successful uh, local, I would say, clothing company slash charity uh, company yeah. as well. But it started with an idea, and that's my point. Two guys who came together and go, right, we need to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And it's grown and grown and grown. I think they give out, they've given out nearly three to 400,000 meals now. Wow. So it's become that sort of variance. But that's what I'm saying. Start with it. Start simple and go, go more advanced. Yeah, and the other thing is actually just taking action. You know, I think sometimes we all have great ideas and yeah. we think of like great plans of action for ourselves or how to get ourselves out of ruts or like what we can do to give back or whatever those are. And sometimes we we just don't act on it or we overanalyze it or talk about it too much, but don't act on, on those. Yeah. So just, uh, I think that's the, that's, that's a good way to end this podcast, actually. Yeah. Just have an idea and commit to it. Keep it simple. Kiss. Kiss. Keep it stupidly simple. I say and keep it, it stupid. Well, that's the same thing. Keep it stupidly simple or keep it simple stupid. Yeah. What are you trying to do? Call me stupid there? I don't oh, like that. Yeah, I'm yeah. offended. Oh, I'm wow. offended. But anyway. So, yeah, but that's that's a good way to sort of look at it. We just need to get a couple of people with a good idea and just go for it. So, you know, look at something simple and just put it into action and just watch the ripple effect. Yeah. Be observant. But before you, like on that note, I just want to point this out. This is from personal experience. If you have an idea, if you have a desire to want to either create a change in your life or your community or your family, whatever it is, have that idea think about it you don't have to share it right away because sometimes when you share it it can go one of two ways yeah. somebody will either help with that idea or they'll shoot down that idea yeah. but regardless you're diluting that that potential that is there and the more that you like you you protect nurture it, it nurture it and take care of it the stronger that intention will become and when when the time is right to act then then you have to act but sometimes if we are looking for that reinforcement from everybody around us it stops it. It, it becomes diluted and there becomes sometimes it's doubt that people will put in us some, not everybody wants us to be successful at times yeah well that's what i'm saying do keep it simple and do it yourself 
nurture act. it, grow it, and act when the time is right. When your gut says right, it's time to put this into action, follow it because your gut will never treat you wrong. Yeah, I like that. Okay, that's all. <laughs> right, we're going to have to go. Right. Um, we, we have to do more of this. You're going to have to come down and do this face to face. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's not, it's not like you're so busy in your big flashy freaking new role that you can't come down and see us. Oh, oh man, even that I've, I've been making some changes. I've been making some hard decisions, Stevie. But that's oh, I know. I trust you, bro. I'll talk to you in the phone afterwards. Absolutely, man. It's been a pleasure. We'll get you back on. Yes, sir. It's great talking to you. And uh, thank you very much. I appreciate you as a person. I appreciate you taking the time to talk and I appreciate you taking the time to share your views as well. Thank you. You as well. I'll I'll chat to you soon. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.